Intraoperative Neuromonitoring, Principles and Considerations for Perioperative Nurses by Michael Roth and Leah Rakers. Abstract. Intraoperative Neuromonitoring, IONM, is a method used to warn the surgeon of impending neurological damage while it can still be corrected, ideally preventing a permanent neurological deficit in the surgical patient. It was originally used in neurosurgery, but now also applies to other surgical specialties. Comprehensive monitoring of a patient's neurological status requires using a variety of approaches. The IONM tests most frequently used in the OR are somatosensory-evoked potentials, transcranial electrical motor-evoked potentials, electromyography, including cranial nerve monitoring, and electroencephalography. With its increased use during a variety of operative and other invasive procedures, most perioperative nurses will be exposed to IONM at some point in their careers. This article provides perioperative nurses with a basic understanding of IONM, including the framework, purpose, associated terminology, and nursing implications. Intraoperative neuromonitoring, IONM, is the observation of a patient's nervous system during operative and other invasive procedures to assist the surgeon with avoiding patient injuries and to prevent a permanent neurological deficit. Intraoperative neuromonitoring personnel use a neurodiagnostic device to send electricity up the spinal cord in the form of somatosensory-evoked potentials, SSEPs, or down the spinal cord via transcranial electrical motor-evoked potentials, TCEMEPs. Personnel use electromyography, EMG, to monitor nerves to determine if they are being unintentionally manipulated, stimulate tissue to determine if it is a nerve or not, and test pedicle screws to help assess their proper placement in the patient. Personnel can also use IONM, that is, SSEPs, electroencephalography, EEG, to confirm adequate blood perfusion for specific procedures. A rudimentary form of IONM was first used in neurosurgery in the late 19th century. In 1939, this technique was used to measure and record brain activity via EEG for the treatment of epilepsy. In the 1980s, an electrophysiological system that recorded SSEPs was introduced in spinal procedures for scoliosis. Since then, Advances in technology and new techniques have expanded the role of IONM beyond neurological and orthopedic surgery to include otorhinolaryngology surgery, vascular surgery, and interventional radiology. With the proliferation of IONM in the OR, most perioperative nurses will be exposed to this practice if they have not been already. It is important for perioperative nurses to be familiar with IONM because they are patient advocates in the perioperative setting which includes times when the patients are anesthetized and cannot advocate for themselves. Perioperative nurses can advocate for patients more effectively if they understand the monitoring techniques being used on patients and how they may assist. Perioperative nurses can help protect the patient by watching the sterile field while IONM personnel make adjustments under the drapes, unplugging equipment to identify an electrical noise issue, or opening supplies onto the sterile field to connect the IONM equipment. If IONM personnel detect a loss of data, the surgeon may need to adjust his or her plan of care, or the anesthesia professional may be required to alter the anesthetic regimen. These alterations may result in the need for drastic action, such as walking the patient during surgery, 
which requires the perioperative nurse's assistance. Ultimately, the perioperative nurse's understanding of the need for IONM and how it affects the OR environment will help to minimize patient injury and provide the best patient care possible. Using the existing literature and firsthand experience in the OR at Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri, this article gives perioperative nurses a basic understanding of IONM, why it is used, definitions of the terminology, and nursing implications. Preoperative Assessment At our institution, the IONM process begins with the assigned IONM technologist performing a preoperative neurological assessment to evaluate the patient's motor and sensory function in areas pertinent to the procedure. This assessment provides a baseline for comparison postoperatively and helps the surgical team identify intraoperative changes. The IONM technologist performing the assessment grades muscle strength on a scale of 0 to 5, with 0 indicating no muscle contraction and 5 indicating full muscle strength against resistance. The sensory examination is more basic, with a patient noting whether light touch is felt in certain dermatomes, that is, areas of skin supplied by a single nerve. The preoperative assessment may differ depending on the type of procedure that the patient is scheduled to undergo. For cervical spine procedures, the IONM technologist evaluates motor strength in the shoulders, biceps, triceps, and hands, that is, grip. He or she also evaluates the patient's lower extremities for gross movement. The IONM technologist then asks the patient whether he or she feels light touch in the same areas. Evaluation of motor function for thoracolumbar, lumbar, or lumbosacral spine procedures most frequently includes hip abduction and adduction, knee flexion and extension, dorsiflexion, and plantar flexion. As in the cervical spine sensory evaluation, the technologist asks patients if they feel light touch in their extremities. For intracranial, otorhinolaryngological, and vascular procedures, the IONM technologist gathers information regarding cranial nerve function directly from the surgical team members who conduct a more thorough clinical evaluation preoperatively. This evaluation often includes an audiogram, that is, graph of hearing test results, when the patient presents with hearing loss. The IONM technologist compares the patient's results with the physicians, for example, resident physicians, examination data in the chart, and discusses any inconsistencies with the surgeon. After the patient emerges from anesthesia in the OR, the technologist conducts the same evaluation that he or she completed preoperatively to identify any changes in the patient's motor or sensory function. Neuromonitoring in the OR Before incision, the IONM technologist ensures that the neuromonitoring equipment is functioning properly. Intraoperative neuromonitoring equipment generally consists of a laptop or desktop computer with IONM software that is attached to an external base unit. Wires from the base unit are connected to the patient. The IONM base unit collects the data and the IONM software on the computer converts and displays the data. After the patient has been positioned on the OR bed, the technologist applies electrodes to the patient's skin surface, or subderminally, and connects the electrodes to the IONM system to collect pre-incision data. Immediately after the surgical team has gained exposure to the surgical site, the IONM technologist collects baseline data that is the benchmark against which all future data will be compared. 
When data have critically degraded from the baseline and exceeded certain parameters, this is considered warning criteria. The technologist notifies the surgeon of the change, and depending on the type of IONM test being conducted, the surgeon will determine the course of action. Because neuromonitoring data can be greatly affected by anesthetic gases and IV medications, IONM personnel communicate consistently with anesthesia professionals. The formation of an appropriate anesthetic regimen is imperative to IONM data acquisition. Failure to use optimal anesthesia can lead to poor signal transmission and ultimately false warnings to the surgical team. Comprehensive monitoring of a patient's neurological status requires a variety of different techniques. Rarely does one test provide enough information to evaluate a patient adequately. Frequently used IONM tests in the OR involve evoked potentials, which are a measurement of electrical activity after the introduction of a stimulus. These tests include SSEPs and TCEMEPs. Electromyography and EEG measure electrical activity without the purposeful introduction of a stimulus by the surgeon or IONM personnel. Although triggered EMG is not an evoked potential, it does require the introduction of a stimulus. Somatosensory Evoked Potentials Somatosensory evoked potentials monitor peripheral nerve function, the dorsal tracts of the spinal cord, and perfusion of the brain. To perform IONM using SSEPs, the technologist places patches, that is, gel electrodes, or needles over the patient's nerve, and the IONM base unit delivers an electrical current sufficient to stimulate that nerve. The generated impulse travels through its respective limb into the dorsal column of the spinal cord, completing its path in the somatosensory cortex of the brain. Subdermal needles placed in the scalp record the signal, and the IONM device amplifies it and converts it into a measurable waveform. See Figure 1. The most commonly tested nerves are tibial, median, and ulnar. Somatosensory evoked potentials are most frequently used during surgeries that affect the spinal cord, brain, or limbs. The most commonly recognized warning criteria for SSEPs are a 50% reduction in the amplitude of the signal or a 10% increase in its latency. If these criteria are met and an appropriate action is not taken, the patient could experience loss of sensation or palsy in the limb or nerve being monitored, or in the case of a vascular or cranial-based procedure, an ischemic stroke. Therefore, the IONM technologist should immediately notify the surgeon when data points meet or exceed these criteria. Frequently, the surgeon asks the anesthesia professional to increase the patient's mean arterial blood pressure to improve spinal perfusion. The IONM technologist or RN circulator assesses the limb position to verify there is no compression, which can cause damage to tissues and nerves. If the surgeon made an alignment adjustment to the patient's spinal column, this correction may be released to place the spine back in its original alignment. During a vascular surgery, for example, carotid endarterectomy, the surgeon may place a shut to optimize perfusion of the brain. During this time, the IONM technologist confirms the anesthetic regimen with the anesthesia professional to ensure no changes have been made that could have degraded the data. Optimal anesthesia for SSCPs includes limited halogenated agents, for example, isofluorine, sevofluorine, desfluorine, and nitrous oxide, or total IV anesthesia. 
Total IV anesthesia is the administration of an anesthetic with no inhalation agents. The anesthesia professional manages the patient using a combination of narcotics and sedatives. Although this is restrictive for the anesthesia professional, it provides the best environment for IONM data collection. The technologist can obtain IONM data from a patient anesthetized using low-dose inhalation agents. However, these agents require a higher amount of stimulation to elicit a response and can attenuate data. Inhalation agents also can lead to a greater incidence of false warnings, especially if an inhalation agent is added or increased after the technologist has already collected baseline IONM data. Minimum alveolar concentration, MAC, is the amount of gas necessary to prevent movements in response to a surgical incision in 50% of patients. Administering greater than one-half of the MAC of a halogenated agent or nitrous oxide in concentrations that exceed 50% can adversely affect SSEP data. To achieve adequate anesthetization of the patient, anesthesia professionals often use a sedative or a narcotic in addition to a low-dose inhaled anesthetic agent. A muscle relaxant is acceptable and can even improve data as a result of reduced patient movement. Health system and hospital leaders should work with anesthesia professionals to develop their own protocols for optimal anesthetic management during procedures involving SSEPs. These protocols should encourage providers to consider each individual patient's medical condition when deciding on a plan of care. Transcranial Electrical Motor Evoked Potentials Transcranial electrical motor evoked potentials monitor and evaluate the functional integrity of the motor tracts of the brain and spinal cord and their transmission of motor signals to the limbs. To perform TCE-MEP monitoring, the technologist places needle electrodes on the scalp to stimulate the motor cortex. The elicited responses travel down the ventral aspect of the spinal cord and needles placed in specific muscles relevant to the surgery record the responses from the motor cortex. See Figure 2. The definition of warning criteria for TCE-MEP data varies widely among institutions. Examples include the all-or-nothing method, an 80% waveform amplitude reduction, a significant change in response morphology, or a predetermined increase in response threshold. A degradation of responses into warning criteria could suggest decreased sensation or motor function. After being notified of the presence of warning criteria, the surgeon often will take immediate action. Possible corrective measures include ordering an increase in the patient's mean arterial blood pressure, releasing spinal column adjustments, ensuring the anesthetic regimen is not changed, administering steroids, and ordering a Stegnaro wake-up test. Before the start of the procedure, the OR team should designate an individual to perform a Stegnaro wake-up test if one is needed intraoperatively. This individual does not need to be an IONM staff member or the surgeon. However, he or she does need to conduct a preoperative neurological assessment. Designating a staff member preoperatively will minimize confusion and streamline the process if a Stegnara test becomes necessary, at which point the designated individual conducts the test with the patient still anesthetized, but aware enough to follow commands. While still draped and with the incision still open, the staff member performing the test asks the patient to squeeze his or her hands and move both ankles up, that is dorsiflexion, and down, that is plantar flexion, while viewing the patient's movements underneath the sterile drapes and comparing these movements with the patient's preoperative assessment. 
the results of the Stagnero wake-up test are negative, if the patient's movement is consistent with his or her preoperative assessment, the results are positive if the patient moves less than he or she did preoperatively or is flaccid. The Stagnaro wake-up test is a definitive motor evaluation. The patient either can or cannot move. However, a reduction in the strength of the performed movements can be a sign of postoperative deficit. The optimal anesthetic choice for TCE-MEP monitoring is total IV anesthesia with short-acting muscle relaxant. Muscle relaxation greatly affects TCE-MEP data. Transcranial electrical motor-evoked potential responses are myogenic. The muscle responds to electrical stimulation by contracting, and the IONM device converts the muscle contraction into an electrical signal that IONM personnel can interpret. If the patient's muscle relaxant is not worn off when collecting data, the lingering effects can result in attenuated responses or even mask responses completely. IONM personnel may be unable to monitor the patient properly and may miss injuries or falsely warn surgeons of data deterioration. Health system and hospital leaders should work with anesthesia professionals to develop their own protocols for optimal anesthetic management during procedures involving TCE-MEPs. Electromyography Electromyography records myogenic responses, that is, activity originating in muscle tissue. The technologist inserts a pair of needles into a muscle that corresponds with the nerve that is being monitored. Therefore, different muscles may be used depending on the levels of the spine that are involved in the procedure. There are two types of EMG, spontaneous and triggered. Spontaneous EMG responses occur when there is irritation of the nerve root. This irritation includes physical manipulation, stretching, and temperature changes. The two types of spontaneous EMG responses are burst and train. A burst is a single discharge of the nerve, and a train is a prolonged irritation of the nerve with repetitive firing. See Figure 3. When either of these types of EMG are noted, IONM personnel should inform the surgeon which type of response occurred and which muscle groups were activated. This information is valuable to the surgeon because it gives him or her an indication of the nerve proximity and possible degree of insult. If train activity is sustained, the nerve could potentially be compressed or injured, which can lead to nerve palsy or constant pain depending on the location and severity. After the train is dissipated, the monitoring personnel should inform the surgeon that the EMG is quiet or without activity. Triggered EMG is an elicited response attained via pedicle screw and direct nerve stimulation. The surgeon uses pedicle screw stimulation to assess the integrity of each pedicle surrounding the screw being implanted into it during spinal surgery. The surgeon places a needle into the muscle in the surgical incision or in a non-sterile location of the body and either a clip or probe onto the screw. See figure 4. He or she then sends an electrical current through the clip or probe while gradually increasing the current. The current travels through the screw and bony pedicle, activating nearby nerve roots and producing a response in the corresponding muscles. The IONM technologist tells the surgeon the stimulation value that corresponds with the number of milliamps, MA, needed to elicit a response, with higher numbers being more favorable. Because the pedicle should act as an electrical insulator, a lower number could mean a breach in the bone, which allows the current to reach the surrounding nerves more easily. 
If responses are produced at 4 MA or fewer, a breach is highly likely. If responses are produced between 5 and 8 MA, a breach is possible. Responses elicited above 8 MA are generally indicative of intact pedicle borders. If low screw thresholds are encountered, the surgeon may remove the screw to probe the hole where the screw was placed or use fluoroscopy to check for breaches. If the surgeon locates a breach, he or she may choose to redirect the screw, leave the screw in place, or remove it completely, depending on how important it is to the overall implanted hardware system. Factors that may alter triggered EMG results include poor bone quality, placement of revision screws, that is, to replace screws from a previous procedure, and the presence of a neuromuscular blockade as part of the anesthetic regimen. Intraoperative neuromonitoring personnel use direct nerve stimulation to identify neural tissue and to assess the functional integrity of the nerves, especially after surgical manipulation. To conduct this testing, the surgeon inserts a needle into a muscle at the surgical incision site or a non-sterile location of the body and places a probe directly on the nerve to be stimulated. See Figure 5. Either the surgeon will pre-select a specific intensity at which to stimulate the tissue or the IONM technologist will gradually increase the stimulation intensity until a response is achieved. The technologist can view the response of the muscles that correspond with the nerve being tested. The technologist may stimulate the nerve multiple times, both during and after manipulation, to verify that the nerve has not become compromised. The surgeon may move the probe to several different locations to isolate the nerve and increase or decrease the stimulation, depending on the responses generated. Direct nerve stimulation is used frequently during spinal cord detetherings and craniotomies. Muscle relaxation greatly affects EMG data, and therefore the anesthetic requirement for optimal EMG monitoring is very straightforward, no muscle paralysis. Because EMG responses are myogenic, they are obtained from the contraction of the muscle in response to stimulation. As with TCE-MEPs, if the patient's muscles are still relaxed, responses could be attenuated or completely masked, which could lead to false warning of the surgeon or a missed injury as a result of a less than favorable monitoring environment. Cranial nerve monitoring. Cranial nerve, CN, monitoring involves using EMG for motor components, specialized equipment for testing sensory components, and often delicate placement of needles. The olfactory nerve, CN1, currently cannot be monitored. The optic nerve, CN2, can be monitored using a modality called the visual evoked potential, which involves placing a specialized set of goggles over the patient's eyes, flashing either patterned or unpatterned stimuli, and recording responses that occur occipitally over the visual cortex. The oculomotor nerve, CN3, is monitored by inserting specialized needles into superior rectus eye muscles and performing spontaneous EMG monitoring. The trochlear nerve, CN4, is monitored by inserting specialized needles into the superior oblique eye muscles and recording EMG responses. The trigeminal nerve, CN5, requires insertion of a pair of needles into the masseter and temporalis muscles. Generally, a surgeon will request both spontaneous and triggered EMG for CN5 monitoring. The abducens, CN6, 
is monitored by inserting specialized needles into the lateral rectus eye muscles and using spontaneous or triggered EMG. The facial nerve, CN7, is monitored by inserting needles into two to four muscles in the face. Frequently selected muscles include the frontalis, orbicularis oculi, orbicularis oris, and mentalis muscles. The IONM technologist usually performs both spontaneous and triggered EMG, that is, direct nerve stimulation, for CN7 monitoring, depending on what the surgeon requests. Intraoperative neuromonitoring personnel use a modality called auditory brainstem response, or brainstem auditory evoked potential, to monitor the vestibulocochlear nerve, CN8. They place foam inserts into the auditory canal, through which a broadband click is delivered. They insert needles into each earlobe and the scalp to detect the response from the nerve, which they then average and amplify. The IONM technologist monitors auditory waves 1, 3, and 5, paying special attention to specific waves and values depending on the procedure. Because auditory brainstem response data is produced in the brainstem and is purely a sensory response, it is the most resistant to anesthesia. Therefore, for the purposes of IONM, no anesthesia restrictions are necessary. To monitor the glossopharyngeal nerve, CN9, the technologist inserts a pair of needles into the patient's soft palate and often performs spontaneous and triggered EMG. Monitoring the vagus nerve, CN10, involves cooperation and communication with the anesthesia professional, who intubates the patient with a specialized endotracheal tube embedded with monitoring electrodes designed to contact the vocal cords. The anesthesia professional visually verifies correct placement of the tube, and the IONM technologist verifies tube placement via data collection because reliable responses to spontaneous and triggered EMG monitoring depend on it. Monitoring the spinal accessory nerve, CN11, is less complicated because a pair of needles are placed in either the trapezius or the sternocleidomastoid muscles and do not affect endotracheal tube placement. Finally, to monitor the hypoglossal nerve, CN12, the technologist places a pair of needles in the patient's tongue. The IONM technologist can then perform spontaneous EMG monitoring and direct nerve monitoring. Either the intraoperative monitoring team or the surgical team may place the needles required to monitor CNs 3, 4, 6, 9, and 12. At our institution, if the surgical team places the needles for CNs 9 and 12, they generally secure the needles with sutures, to ensure that they do not move during positioning or surgery. Electroencephalography Electroencephalography is the study of the electrical activity of the brain, which is detected by either subdermal needle electrodes or conductive electrode patches placed on the scalp. The neural impulses collected are displayed in a graphical format or an electrocephalogram. See Figure 6 and the resulting waveforms are divided into alpha, beta, delta, and theta bands. Electroencephalography can be used to detect seizure activity or other abnormal electrical patterns in the brain. Electroencephalography also is an indirect measure of brain perfusion and can help detect strokes or other neurological ischemic events. Finally, because certain bands are greatly affected by anesthesia, EEG can assist with determining the level of sedation the patient is under during surgery. For optimal EEG monitoring, like SSCPs, the anesthesia professional should limit halogenated agents to one half of the MAC 
so as not to suppress IOM data. Anesthesia professionals often then supplement halogenated agents with a narcotic infusion. Some IV agents, like propofol and barbiturates, can greatly suppress EEG data when administered either by bolus or in very high infusion rates. Perioperative nursing implications. Intraoperative neuromonitoring has several implications for perioperative nurses. The first is the need for heightened needle safety precautions. With the use of various neuromonitoring modalities, it is not uncommon for IONM personnel to insert 20 or more needles into a patient. Anyone who physically contacts the patient, specifically during positioning and drape removal, should be aware of the presence and location of the needles to avoid personal injury, for example, needle stick, and interfering with the ability of the technologist to obtain accurate data. It is also important for perioperative nurses to know where the needles are placed to avoid harming the patient. For example, by placing the electrosurgical unit dispersive pad over a needle, which could cause a burn. The second nursing implication of IONM is optimal equipment management. Operating room space is always at a premium. Although IONM machines are generally not bulky, they need to be placed in relatively close proximity to the OR bed. Additionally, multiple cords connect the IONM machine to the patient. It is not uncommon to have three or more cords running from the IONM unit to the bed. The RN circulator and the IONM personnel should work together to secure them carefully in such a way that does not threaten their structure or function, but also minimizes the tripping hazard. A third nursing implication is the need for increased focus on maintaining sterility. Preserving the integrity of the sterile field is paramount and requires rigorous supervision of all personnel, equipment, and activity in the OR. Because IONM involves direct patient contact and optimally functioning equipment, the technologist will occasionally need to check, modify, or replace leads and equipment attached to the patient, which may require accessing the patient beneath a sterile field. Additionally, IONM personnel will introduce materials such as probes, clips, needles, and extenders will need to be placed on the sterile field in a manner that maintains the sterility and integrity of these items. Credentialing in IONM There are two types of certifications in the field of IONM. The first is the Certification in Neurophysiologic Intraoperative Monitoring, CNIM. A candidate must complete a minimum level of education and monitor a minimum number of procedures in the OR to be eligible to attain the CNIM credential. After these criteria are met, the individual is then eligible to sit for the certifying board exam. After the candidate passes the exam, the American Board of Registered Encephalographic and Evoked Potential Technologists awards the CNIM credential to the individual. Continuing education is required to maintain this certification. The second certification in the IONM field is the Diplomate of the American Board of Neurophysiologic Intraoperative Monitoring, DABNM. Obtaining the DABNM credential is a significant accomplishment and is only attainable with an earned doctoral degree in a physical science, life science, or allied health profession. A DABNM certification involves many other strict requirements and extensive training, for example, doctoral degree, 36 months of IONM experience, and 300 logged cases. Though it is recommended 
Certification is not a requirement to monitor IONM procedures in the OR. Each IONM company and the facilities that use IONM services have slightly different requirements for and expectations of their technologists. Conclusion Intraoperative neuromonitoring can help promote patient safety and prevent harm during certain operative and other invasive procedures. Neuromonitoring in the OR creates new challenges and considerations for perioperative nurses. The information presented in this article may help foster cohesion and mutual understanding among OR personnel and assist the surgical team to provide the most optimal patient care possible when performing IONM.